Amen. You guys can have a seat. Refuge, how's it going? Is everyone good? Um, so if you're new, I met a few new people tonight, and that's super, super cool. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're brand new, uh, this is happening every Wednesday night, all right? It's going to be amazing. You need to come. You need to get plugged in. You need to meet some people. Um, but if you were here last week, or you got the letter, or um, you got the text, or the tweet, or whatever you got um, a couple months ago, uh, the couple of the pastors at Hope came to me and asked me to pray about, and asked me and Candace to pray about moving into a different position at Hope. Uh, still being a pastor here, still being at this church, still serving in this church, uh, but just in a different role. And, and we're going to kind of let everyone know what that is in the next week or so. We're just trying to get everything, all the, you know, all the ducks in the row and all the things going. But basically, uh, here's what I want to tell you. Uh, I will not be here next week, but this will be here, all right? I want you guys, man, the best thing you can do for Candace and I, if you're like, yeah, we kind of like Candace and you. It's, you guys are pretty cool. The best thing you can do for us is to continue to serve here, continue to come here, continue to plug in here, because here's what's gonna happen. Jesus is still gonna be lifted up. Uh, we're still gonna worship. We're still gonna get in the word of God, and we're still gonna have our lives transformed by God's word. And so that's still happening every week. But uh, this is, uh, sadly for me and, and, and Candace, but this is our, our last week here. And so here's, here's kind of the whole night. People were like, Scott, what are you going to speak on? And it's like, dude, I don't, man. Um, so I just kind of said, God, what, what? Last time, not the last time I ever get to speak to you. I hope to come in here every once in a while and still share God's word with you. But the last time I'm serving as student pastor before refuge students on Wednesday night, God, what would you have me say? And so here's kind of what I feel like God's um, kind of pressed on me is just what I'm super passionate about. And you guys, what I want you to know, if you're in regulars at refuge, none of the, nothing I'm going to say tonight is brand new. You're not going to be like, Dang, I've never heard that. Brand new revelation out of the word of God. No, no, no. I want you to know, this is kind of, if you're, if you're a part of Refuge, you've heard me talk like this. Um, I don't believe I'm any better than anybody in this room. I don't believe that God looks at me and goes, oh yeah, man, Scott, you're way further down the, you know, you're, you're way better in my eyes than any, that's not what the pastors at this church think. Listen, we know we're a little bit further down the road as far as, as far as growing in the word of God. Maybe there's somebody that could be way further down the road than us. But here's what I've always said to, to students of refuge is I feel like I'm kind of, God's kind of placed me in your life as a big brother. And so tonight, I just want to, as a big brother, if you would have me for a few minutes, just share with you a little bit of what I'm passionate about and what I think. Uh, come in, come on in, guys. Don't, don't, be, don't be nervous. Come on in, find a seat, find a seat. Um, but if you would allow me, just, man, what God's put in me that I'm super passionate about. And you, if you've been a part of Refuge, you've heard me say what I'm about to say about my story. But I, I did not grow up in church. When I was 17 years old, 16 years old, I got invited to church for the first time. I kind of sat, like, that worship time we just had, I would have been like, dude, these people are weird, right? For like a year I did that, just kind of observed, soaked it in. But then what happened? God got a hold of me when I was 17 years old. I gave my life to Jesus, and I said, man, this is the real deal. Welcome, guys have a seat. You guys are good. Um, I said, man, this is, this is the real deal. And from that point on, now nine years later, I have been absolutely transformed by the relationship with God. And I've seen what following Jesus can mean in somebody's life. And so I am like, if you cut me, that's what I bleed. I'm so passionate about people experiencing that in their lives. And so what I want you to do is I want you to just hone in for a minute. Uh, even if you're kind of la-la landing it right now, I want you to just look at me. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Is everyone looking at me? Give me a thumbs up if you're looking at me. Okay, sweet. You guys are all listening. Um, you've heard me say this, but uh, I believe following Jesus requires action. 
Like, by definition, if you say, yeah, like at, church, at Hope Church, here's our whole, this is what we exist for. In the city of Las Vegas, we want to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower, okay? So here's what that means. Somebody, we want to connect them to follow Jesus. It's an action statement. Like, we want them to actually follow after Jesus. What does that mean? You can't be standing still in your faith. And so I'm super passionate about, man, What's the next step for you in your relationship with God? Where are you going and where is Jesus leading you? Because if you're a Jesus follower, you're following him somewhere. You should be moving. You should be constantly growing. And so tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. If you have a Bible, or Colossians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you have failed miserably. Just kidding. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible, you can download one. They're really easy to get now. You just go and type in the App Store, Bible, and it pulls right up. Uh, but for those of you who don't have that phone or a Bible, we are going to put what I'm about to say on uh, the screen. But having all that in mind, that following Jesus requires action, that God did not call you to save you and then let you stand still your whole life and not move and grow we're going to look at a passage of scripture that has radically changed my life. And um, just as I, as I kind of leave refuge, I want to kind of share as your big brother something that's impacted me huge. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Here's what it says. Therefore, stop right there. If you go to hope, I want you to repeat after me. Or not repeat after me, but I want you to finish the sentence. When you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's. Boom, you got some hope kids in the house. Okay, cool. Hey, that's really like really cheesy, okay, but awesome. It has changed the way I read the therefores in the Bible. There's a ton of therefores. So when you first read, don't ever go past that. Like, wait, he must be saying something that he said previously. So based on what I just said, I want to tell you something. So before we get to verse 6, we got to know what he said in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And it's not going to be on the screen, but let me tell you. And let me tell you why I chose this passage to speak to. Paul is the guy writing this book. Okay, Paul the apostle wrote the book of Colossians. And he's writing to a church that he cares very, very deeply about. And here's Paul's heart. He, he says in, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Here's what Paul was saying in five verses. He's saying, I care about you guys. Like, I really care about your relationship with God. Everything that I've taught you, I care. Everything that I've poured into your life is your pastor, Paul, is saying to the Colossians, I really care that it works in your life. And here I am, as I was saying, God, where would you have me go? And he, he led me to Colossians 2, verse uh, 6. And I said, therefore, I was like, well, what's Paul saying in the first few verses? And I was like, okay, dang, that's my heart. For this ministry, for the students that sit in there, even if you're brand new, I care about you. And I, I have such a great struggle. Candace and I and these awesome leaders for the last four years have gone, how can we take students and how can we say, man, God and a relationship with Jesus is life-changing for you. Don't believe all the hype of a teenager in 2013. A relationship with Jesus is the best thing for you. That's what we're struggling for in your life. And so Paul says this, because of that, because I have this great struggle for you, because I have this great care for you as your pastor, Paul is saying, and I am saying, therefore, verse 6, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, 
according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. Here's what I want to do in just a few minutes that we're going to spend together. I want to kind of unpack that verse. What on earth is that saying? And my heart for you, what is God saying to us? And what am I saying? Yes, amen. If there's nothing else you hear from me in in four years or in two years or however long you've been attending refuge, hear this. Walk in him. What does it mean to be firmly rooted and now being built up? We're just going to kind of open those up. What, What on earth does that stuff mean? What does it mean to walk in him and to now be built up in him? And so uh, if you don't go to hope, we have some very, um, when, when you ask somebody what, connecting people to live a life of Jesus follower, what does that mean? And so we have, we break it down this way. We say we believe a Jesus follower is somebody who abides in Christ, connects in, uh, with others in the, in, in the fellowship that we have here, and shares in God's mission. Abide, connect, share. You'll hear that everywhere. If you don't go to Hope, you need to come to Hope because it's awesome. And, and, and we preach the Word of God, and we have this awesome way of leading people to Jesus, okay? So abide and connect and share. And so, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, I forget what it was, but um, I was like really struggling with how to take this concept of abide and connect, share. And while I'm talking about this, by the way, I'm talking about how we walk in him. That verse six, when it says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. I was asking the question, how do I teach, how do we teach teenagers to walk in him? At Hope, we say, abide in Christ, connect with believers and share in God's mission. And so we came up with, in the middle of the night, I was sleeping and, and, and I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I got it. This is incredible. And I wrote it down and it worked out and we thought, no, this is it. And uh, if you've been wondering what on earth these are behind me um, over the last few weeks that we've had these cool signs, um, this is kind of the whole mission of why we exist as a student ministry. We are a part of Hope Church, and so we want to show students how to abide and connect and share, but how can we package that differently to where they get it in their language? And so we came up with, we want students to be someone, do something, and go somewhere. And I'm super passionate about this because if you ask, okay, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Here's here's what be someone means. If you want to walk in him, as Colossians says, we want students to be someone, put that on the screen, who abide in Christ. Be someone who abides in Christ. Listen, this isn't going to change. Scott might change. I'm going to walk out that door, and I'm not going to come back next Wednesday. If you want to have coffee, lunch, hang out, I'm still here. I'm still a pastor here. I would love to do that. But that doesn't change. That this student ministry, no matter who comes in and is a student pastor, no matter who's leading this, the student ministry at Hope Church really desires students to be someone who abides in Christ. You say, what on earth does that word mean? That sounds like a really weird Bible word. Here's what abide means. How many people have ever seen a plant? Raise your hand. Everyone should have their hands raised. If you haven't, you need to get out more and stop playing video games, okay? If you haven't, if you haven't seen a plant, you need to get a life, okay? But um, if you have seen a plant, this is what happens in a plant. There are, it's a vine. Something is growing up and attached to it are branches or, or leaves or something is attached to the main thing. And so us, we are abiding in Christ. The main thing is Christ. And we are literally hanging on to that for life. That's what we see in a, in a plant. The branch, the leaf is hanging on to the, the source for life. And so, man, if students could just get in their minds and in their hearts and in their lives, that they are to be someone, God has called them to be someone who hangs on to Christ for life. It'd be huge. But not just that. It's not just be someone who abides in Christ. It's also, it's also this, this community aspect. We want students to, to do something in community and in their church. You're going to throw that up there. Do something in community. That, that's the, here's what that means. 
we believe that this is cool and all, like what I'm doing. Like we believe, man, preaching the word of God and, and kind of the sermon stats, you know, sermon thing is cool. But what we normally do right after this time is the most important thing we can do. And that's small groups. Why? Because sometimes it's super healthy for a seventh grade dude to get around another seventh grade dude and say, man, God's using me at Sylvester Middle School. And I want to tell you about that. And I want to tell you how you can do that. Or the 12th grade girl who's freaking out because her boyfriend is crazy and she's going to go to school soon and go to college soon and she doesn't know what to do. It, Scott's not going to help you in that, in that way, okay? That's not going to help you. What will help you is when you get around other 12th grade girls and you go pray for me, girls, because my boyfriend's crazy and I don't know where I'm going to college and the girls can get around you and pray for you. It's so, if you're not connected to any sort of community within other Christians and you consider yourself a believer in Jesus, man, you're in a dangerous spot. You don't have to wait to grow up to get that. As a sixth grader right now, you need some other sixth grade people in your life speaking life and wisdom into your life. But it's also not only just doing something in community, but also in your church. That's something we've been very passionate about and this student ministry will continue to be passionate about. I think it's super valuable for sixth graders to go into Hope for Kids and be leaders. I think it's super valuable for some of, the, some of the people to change a diaper in the nursery. You're like, how is that serving Jesus? That's serving Jesus because you're partnering with your church and you're saying, man, I'm available. Yeah, I might be a stinky teenager and the world doesn't think I'm much, but God does and this church does. And so we're plugging you in and we want you to serve. God calls us to serve. So we said, man, what if students were somebody who's a, who abides in Christ, but they also did something in community and in their church, but that's not it. Other ways to walk in him is to go somewhere. Go ahead and throw that up. Across the street and around the world. We just talked about Hope for the World this weekend and next weekend. It's going to be incredible. You need to bring your family. Because we are so passionate about the kingdom of God at Hope. Like we never shut up about it. If you don't like the kingdom of God, you won't come here very long. Because we literally never shut up about it. Because it is all over the New Testament. This kingdom of God that he set up for his church to be active in. And that means if you're a sixth grader or a 12th grader and you're a Jesus follower, you are a part of that church. And so, yeah, we want you to go across the street. Like a lot of people think going on missions means you have to get on a plane or get, you know, get in a big 15 passenger van and get the Cheetos and the Coke for the long bus ride. But you don't need to do that. You can look at the, your, your buddy who has a locker right next to yours and say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus because he's changed my life. So we want you to go right across the street or right across your locker room. But we also want students to go around the world. Last, last year or this year, I guess, 2013 still? Yes, it is. Okay. This year in January and in July, we took over 20 students on mission trips. 10 of them literally on a 24-hour plane ride slept in, uh, you know, slept. We didn't really sleep in the airport, but we might as well have. I mean, we went all the way across the world to Thailand. And we saw teenagers serving God in Thailand, 10 teenagers. And then we took 15 or 20, I forget what it was, to Salt Lake City to one of our church plants because what do we do? We want to go right up the street and eight, eight hours up the street, up the 15 freeway, and we want to pray and serve and meet the community where they are in Salt Lake City because there's a church up there that's doing awesome stuff for the kingdom of God. And we say, you don't have to grow up to do that. When it says, so walk in him, that's what we're talking about. That, that's, that's a, as you're walking, as you're following Jesus, what does that mean? Well, the way we've contextualized it here at Hope is, man, abide, connect, share. For students, be someone, do something, go somewhere. Man, I, the goal is that you guys would look at your, at your lives and look at that and say, man, God is, has a lot of grace because that's my life. Like, 
I really do hang on to Jesus for life. And I got a lot of awesome community around me and I'm serving. And, and man, I can't wait to go to Zambia next year. We're taking a bunch of girls and guys for like a month to Zambia next year. We're going to take a whole bunch more students and some college students to Thailand next year and to Salt Lake City. And I might not be a part of all those things because I'm not the student pastor, but God doesn't need me. God's still going to use the students of this church to change this church. And I think because of that, to change the city and to change the world. I know that sounds epic and maybe you're like, dude, that's too far. That's all he does in the Bible. Takes crazy people who don't know a lot and changes the world. That's what it means to walk in him. And then it says this, now being built up. What does it mean to be built up? I think it's super important. We've used this before, but um, in order to build something up that actually is going to stand and be firm is to have a solid foundation. And that's that. That's Jesus. That's your cornerstone. Your, your firm foundation is Christ. And there's a whole lot of people in the world and a whole lot of people you go to school with, and maybe even some of you, that this is not solid rock. This is super sandy and super sketchy, and tomorrow could go away. And we're saying, man, when it says to walk in him, it's talking about that. And when it says to be built up, it's saying you, in order to build up, you have to have something that you can build on. And he, he goes on to say, being firmly rooted. What the heck does that mean? Now, again, that's like talking about plants and stuff. How many people went to exposure? Raise your hand. Exposure? Exposure this year. Exposure? Okay, a bunch of you or some of you, okay? Exposure was really cool. And one of the things we did was we, um, we went to St. Jude's. Who went to St. Jude's? You guys remember that? St. Jude's is a place, uh, St. Jude's Ranch is a place in uh, Boulder City. And it's an amazing facility. They have like a really nice campus. And so we go on there and we go, okay, how can we help you? And they say, here, here's a, here's a rake, here's a shovel, here's all these tools. Go to work and be landscapers for the day. And so everyone's super into it for like five seconds. And then they're like, where can we go eat pizza, right? Like everyone hates it. But one of the guys, we were almost done. And they said this. They said, um, the, the people, they said, uh, we actually want to get rid of some plants. Uh, and we're like, really? Like we've been like really taking care of not to like destroy the plants. So like, yeah, but there's a few of them you can just take out. And so they pointed to this little bush. I remember in particular, I had a picture, but it didn't do it justice. This little teeny bush, like I'm talking this little plant that was worth nothing, okay? And they said, would you just take that out? Like remove it? So we're like, okay, that's cool. And then we're like, hey, uh, sixth grade boys, no offense. Um, Take care of that, you know, like whatever. It's like literally you could like kick it and it'll fall out, okay? So all, all, the, all the upperclassmen and the high schoolers were like tired. And they're like, hey, junior hires, go ahead, you know? And so we, we, we stuck some, some young, awesome, you guys are strong, but you guys are young and a little little, okay? Um, we stuck them on it. And next thing you know, they're like really struggling. And so then, of course, you know, how, you, know you guys over here, you bigger guys, you guys work like this, like, let me show you how it's done. And so they walk over there and they start working on this thing. Next thing you know, I, some of you guys are remembering this. It was crazy. Next thing you know, there's like eight people around it. I'm one of them. And I'm obviously super buff, okay? So I, <laughs> I am, I'm up there with a, with a, with a, a we, I mean, we are seriously going to work on this thing. And we got this thing like dug out all around. All of us guys are looking at like, dude, you're like failing me. Like, dude, you're failing me. Shut up and dig. So we're digging and we're going for it. And next thing you know, this thing finally comes up. Does anybody remember this around? Okay, there's some pictures and we had a picture of somebody holding it, but I didn't bring it. Um, finally holding this, like we conquered it. It's the most, and it's this little teeny thing with like a tree underneath it. Like it was so huge and so big. Okay, here's what I want you to see. 
what was underneath was a whole lot more important than what was on top because up top, we sent the littlest people in our group to dig it up. But what was on bottom took 10 of us with all of our strength and all of our manliness being totally sketched out, okay? We, what was underneath was so much bigger and more important than what was showing. And that's the picture that I'm getting and I think you should get when you look at this, when it says, walk in him, firmly rooted. I want you to think about your life. And just like that plant, what is underneath the surface of your life is far more important than what people can see. Because here's what we're really good at, and some of you in the room are really good at, and I'm definitely good at it sometimes. I'm really good at looking really, really spiritual and looking really, really be, do, go, and looking really like in the church game. I know all the verses, and my mom's got all the things on the wall that have Bible verses. And if you open up our cabinet, we have like 27 coffee mugs with all the famous verses on it. And we're like a real good Christian family. But when it comes to you, you're really big on top, and everyone can see you're super spiritual, but you have nothing underneath the surface. Nothing. And what we see when he's saying what is, walk in him firmly rooted now being built up is because underneath this thing is a firm root in Jesus. Firm root and be someone who abides in Christ. And on that is Jesus. And above that is your life that he's building. Man, if you could get that in your brains, and your heart. As, as your big brother tonight, as I kind of leave this scene, if you could get nothing else, man, that is that's so key and that's so huge. That's what it means when you read this. It's saying, walk in him. Those three signs. What does that mean? Those three things. Firmly rooted, man, dig deep into Jesus. Now being built up on something that's solid and it can last. And I don't know about you, but I know this world is just like crazy. Like that is real good until like something crazy happens. There's a lot of people that they got this thing and life is good and they're, doing, they're on track and then something crazy happens and it throws them completely off. A lot of you guys are going to start dating and life's good until you get the breakup call or the text if they're that sketchy. And all of a sudden, your world's falling apart. And, and I'm not kidding about that. I mean, I kind of am, but I'm not. Like, that really happens. And some of you guys are really rocked to the core when that happens. And all this kind of stuff, this be, do, go, walking him, firmly rooted, like that starts taking a hit. Or on the more serious things, your mom comes home from a doctor and she says she's got cancer. And all of a sudden, everything you're learning about in church and you're reading in the Bible, all of a sudden is tested. Or somebody comes in your family who passes away suddenly, or even if it's not suddenly. Listen, I had my grandfather, like we all knew it was coming. When, they got the, when I got the call that said grandpa died, I was like, whoa, balling, crazy. I, I, I never had that experience before, even though I knew it was coming. Maybe it's sudden, maybe it's not, but it just rocks you to the core. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are sailors. Is anybody a sailor in the room? Sailor? Somebody almost raised their hand. I was like, can I like shake your hand? Are you really a sailor? You have a sailboat, Cadell. Okay, cool. We're all going to go on Cadell's yacht tomorrow, okay? Um, but I'm not a big sailor. I don't own a boat, okay? In Las Vegas, it's not really a big deal. Like we have Lake Mead, but like who wants to go there? It's gross, okay? Uh, but unless you have a nice boat, then you can go there and get out way past all the like Sewage, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to say a nice way to say it, okay? Um, and so anyways, but here, here's what I want to ask you, and I don't want you to answer out loud, but if we were in the middle of Lake Mead 
And all of a sudden, a storm came across. Like, right, I want you to keep what we just talked about in mind. Push pause on that for a minute. And we're in the middle of Lake Mead, and a storm comes on. Don't, let's, let's ditch Lake Mead, because really, when is it storm in Lake Mead? If you're in the Pacific Ocean, and all of a sudden, have you ever seen the perfect storm, that movie? Like, that's happening all around us. And I said, I don't know what I'm doing, Cadell. What do we do? And he would say this. He goes, dude, we got to get to shore. We got to go as fast as we can to shore. We got to tie up at the dock. We got to do something to get as close to water as you can. And then guess what would happen? Cadell and Scott would die because that's the worst idea. You don't go to the ocean where it's even crazier, to the dock where it's even crazier. And I don't know this from experience. Maybe Cadell can help me out. But what I looked up. As I, as I, as I kind of was, was thinking through this and, and I kind of checked some facts that I had heard, um, is I said, what, what's the best thing to do in that situation? And it blew my mind. Here's the best thing to do in that situation. Get your butt in the middle of the Pacific Ocean as far out as you possibly can. And what you need to do is you need to drop a fat anchor as far down as possible and wait it out. Wait out the storm. Don't try to run to all these different things to try to get through the storm. Wait it out. Throw an anchor down as deep as possible and wait it out. We kind of talk about this a lot, not necessarily with anchor, not necessarily with anchor, but when, when Paul right here in Colossians chapter 2 says, just as you were instructed... That's kind of what came to mind for me is I've talked to you guys a lot about a specific area of your lives when, when things go crazy. If you've been a part of Refuge for any length of time, you've heard me say this, that when things go crazy, Jesus is the only thing that will never fail you. And so I don't know if you write things down, but if I could give you two things, aside from kind of the humongous introduction that I just did, if I could give you two things to write down, to tweet, to put somewhere, and then one day you might go, oh, yeah, I think I remember this guy, Scott, and he said something cool, and my girlfriend broke up with me, so I'm super depressed. Or my, my father has cancer. These moments where you're going through it and you don't know what to do, so you're just opening up every old journal and looking through your tweets or whatever you might do, write it down. The only anchor that won't fail you is Christ. It's not the only anchor. Because you guys know that. There's plenty of things that we, in the middle of craziness, we drop down hoping that that's going to give us some satisfaction or that's going to give us some hope or that's going to give us some peace. Whether that's a relationship or you go to your mom or your dad or you go to social media or you go to whatever you go to when things are crazy. It's not the only anchor. But the only anchor that will actually never fail you is Christ. And, and I'm so passionate about this, just real quick before we end, and, and we just sing some more together and eat some pizza. I'm so passionate about this because I've tried all the other anchors. Maybe not all the other anchors, but I've tried enough anchors to know nothing else works. And you've heard me say this, but I'm so passionate about it is because there is this lie that so many students believe, and honestly, even past students if I am in junior high, the lie is when I get to high school, I'll be better in my life or happier or I'll be more secure in my life. If I'm insecure right now as an eighth grade girl, when I get to high school and I start walking the halls of Coronado instead of Del Webb, I'll feel better about myself. And then what happens? They go to Coronado and that doesn't work. So then you get to Coronado and you're like, okay, now I'm a freshman, sophomore. If I could just get to the upperclassmen level and just get my driver's license, then I can have some freedom. I'll have to stay bound in this house all the time and then I'll be really good in my life. And then what happens? Get the driver's license and they're like, that doesn't work. If I could just get to college, if I could just go out with that girl or that guy, if I could just have these friends or if I could just get this many followers or if I could just have somebody tell me that I'm beautiful or if I could just get into school that I want, 
People chase and chase and go to well after well after well, trying to find some sort of thing that makes them secure. And they drop the anchor of popularity or tweets or, 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 or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. If this could just satisfy me for a sec, if I could just get there, I'll be good. Every single time it fails. Just ask the 60-year-old who's been divorced multiple times, has every sports car he could want, has the CEO position, and he's completely depressed. That's Scott Worthington's story. If I could just get this, I'll be happy. If I could just get this and this and this, and some of you in the room tonight are like, yeah, that's been me, even as an eighth grader, even as a 10th grader. If I could just get this and this and this, I'll be good. And here's what I want you to know. Stop trying because the only anchor that won't fail you is Christ. If you hear nothing else from a big brother who's been a little bit further down the road than you, hear that. So passionate about students seeing that. When your world comes crashing down, and it will. A lot of people think, if I just become a Christian, everything's good. Us Christians know sometimes it's worse because what we didn't see as bad, all of a sudden we see as bad. So sometimes it gets worse. Second thing I want you to know. I want you to filter everything through Jesus. That's right out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Here's what it says. Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. Big three, four words. Rather than according to Christ. I guess it's five words. Those are huge. Here's what it's saying. There's going to be times when you hear things that are just garbage. We talked five weeks about it. It's called fiction. Go back to the podcast and listen to it. There's things that our culture in 2013 shows us and tells us and gets at us. Do this. Believe this. That's what we're talking about here. This this philosophy and empty deception. And it says, don't listen to them, but see that through rather than, as the Bible says, according to Christ. Man, I want you to know that. Because it's coming. If it hasn't come yet, it's coming. My, my first year, I tell college students, I hang out with this all the time. My first third college class, I was all stoked for my first day at UNLV. And I got there and I took one class, it was boring. I took another class, it was boring. My third class, I walk in and I'm like, okay, can we, this class be good? And this like 95-year-old woman walks up and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is going to be crazy. And she writes God on the board. G-O-D. She steps back. She hadn't said a word. It's like, can this lady even talk? Okay. She steps back. And she said, over the next three and a half months that you're in this class, I'm going to try to do everything I can to make you realize that's an idiotic idea. And you're crazy if you believe that. Whoa, welcome to college, right? I just got saved. I'm like, well, my youth pastor said this is the truth, okay? I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what to do. That's this. See to it that no one takes you captive through empty deception and philosophy because there's a lot of stuff you're going to hear and I promise you it's not all true. And so here's what he says. You look at it not according to the world rather than I want you to look at it according to Christ. So what does that mean? Filter every single thing in your life through the filter of Jesus. Well, does that mean like who I date? Yes. Does that mean what car I buy? Yes. See, Scott, that's like a total practical thing. Listen, for the believer in Jesus, there is nothing separate from Jesus. Nothing. 
You don't go, okay, I know like the big things, but like, come on, I, I, I want to know like what car I buy. Listen, you should ask God, God, what car do you want me to buy? Because I want this car to be used for your mission and your global purpose and your kingdom because I'm a part of that and I want you to use me. Nothing in the believer's life is separated from Jesus. Zero, nothing. So when we say filter everything, what do you mean by everything? Everything. Every decision you make, every friend you hang out with, every, every relationship choice you decide to make, everything goes through your relationship with Jesus. Why? Because it's everything in your life. It's not a part of your life. It is your life. That's what Colossians 2 is saying. Since you have received Christ, walk in him, being firmly rooted. Got some solid stuff to build your life on. Oh yeah, and by the way, when you hear all this crap in your life and you hear all these people telling you lies, I want you to know, don't look at it according to the world. Don't let the culture feed you. I want you to look at it according to Christ and what the Bible says. Because it's not an old, outdated book. It's timeless and it's stood true and it's something you can build your life on. As your big brother, here's the, the, the two things I want you to know. The only anchor that won't fail you is Christ. Some of you in the room tonight in the band, you guys can go ahead and load. Some of you in the room tonight don't have that. You've heard about a relationship with God. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're like me. When I first walked into church, I was like, wait, what? This God thing that I've heard about through different areas of my life, like you can have a relationship with him. Listen, the only thing that won't fail you, and some of you guys aren't gonna believe me, and here's the deal. Sadly, some of you guys are gonna chase everything you can try to chase down. That'll make me happy. I don't care what that guy said. That'll make me happy. And every single time it fails. No matter what people tell you, no matter what even the celebrities try to tell you, we've even seen it in their lives, right? Nothing works. Nothing satisfies the soul because the only thing that can satisfy it is the person who made it. So as we kind of end my season here, man, so, I'm so passionate about that. That you as students would see that nothing on this planet will satisfy you like Jesus. And not only that, it's not a part of your life. It is your life. It's your anchor. Dig that down. Wait for the storm to go. And everything that comes your way, see it through Jesus. Because he's the solid thing you can build your life on. He's the only thing that's going to allow that to be built up and it stand and work. And so we're going to sing a song right now, just crying out God, that he is our cornerstone. What that means is he is the only thing that will stand. He's the solid stuff we can build our life on. And I just want to challenge you that that's true. I've seen it in my life. The leaders around here have seen it in, in their lives. Some of you have seen that in your lives, but some of you aren't there yet. If, I, if you heard nothing else I said all night and you're, and you're in a place where you're not a believer in Jesus and God is after you, sometimes all you have to do is stop running away, trying to find satisfaction and turn around and say, yes, yeah. God, you made me, you created me for a relationship with you and I'm, I'm, I'm done running. I know I'm only in seventh grade, but I've been hurt enough. Or maybe you haven't been hurt. Listen, that wasn't really my story. When I was at 17, like I was kind of like good with life, like, right? Like I had friends and I was dating girls and, and it's not like I had these cataclysmic events happen in my life, but there was still something missing and I recognized that. Some of you, you don't have to go through the crazy storms of life to realize your need for Jesus. Some of you guys are just missing something and you know there's just not right. Tonight, that's Jesus. 
So I just want to pray for you. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. And then we're just going to hang out and eat some pizza. And I'd love the opportunity just to hang out with you guys. And again, I'm not leaving hope. Like I'm here. I'm still going to see you guys. But as far as this setting, I would just love to hug as many of you as possible and high five you and just pray for you or whatever's going on in your life, man. Ask me for my phone number. I'll give it to you unless you're like a creeper. No, I'm just kidding. I'll give it to anybody my phone number. I, I want to be involved in your lives because my passion for what I just talked about for the last 30 minutes hasn't changed. My position at Hope may be changing, but my passion to see students understand everything I just said is so red hot and isn't changing. So I want you guys to bow your heads. I want to pray for you. We're going to sing at the top of our lungs. We're going to lift it up tonight. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, right now, I thank you for the students of refuge. And God, I thank you for just the last four years, God. God, I pray right now that students in this room would understand that you made them and you created them to walk in you, digging deep in who you are. And that, God, you would build out of that a life that counts, a life that matters, a life that could literally change the world. Maybe starting with a locker room or a sports team or a dance team or a family. But, God, out of that, what you could do through the students in this room, I think you don't need me. You don't need these leaders. But, God, you've chosen in this season to use us. And I say thank you for that. And I pray and continue to just ask that you would use this ministry to raise up disciples of Jesus, 7th through 12th grade in this city, that, God, you would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. God, I pray right now that you would just sow this so deep down inside of students, that they would drive the anchor into who you are, and they would understand that Christ alone is the only thing that they can build their lives on that will last. God, I pray right now that you would do that. I pray for the students in the room that don't know you, God, that they would understand their need for you. And that, God, they wouldn't leave this place without talking to somebody. Or that, like me, they would keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back and keep asking those questions. Because one day, God, you're going to get them. And you're going to make them understand how much they need you. So, Lord, I love you. I thank you for these students. I thank you for their love for you. And Lord, right now, I just pray. I just pray over refuge. And I thank you for how you've allowed me to be a part of it. God, I pray that we would just worship you for who you are tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys?